0: Give it a go. The podcast platform of the Phenomenalist by Léopold Lambert. Today, The Politics of the Olfactive Body with Rahel Emma and Arpad Makia. Hello, everyone. Uh, today we are recording live from Amman, from uh, the Amman Lab, the uh, uh, Columbia University Studio X uh, in Amman. And uh, I'd like to thank uh, Noura Akawi for organizing this event. Um, this first conversation will be with uh, Rael Emma and Ahmad Makia. Uh, Rael is um, a writer and, and co editor in chief with, with uh, Ahmad of uh, The State. And she's also an editor at the New Inquiry now. And uh, Ahmed is uh, also a writer, also the, editor, the co-editor-in-chief of, of the state, and uh, a, a researcher in what he likes to call the Pan-Arabic Hangover. Uh, hello, Rael, Hello, Ahmed.
1: Hi, Leopold. <laughs> uh,
0: so today we will speak about um, the politics of factive bodies uh, uh, in reference to one of the issue of the state uh, that you, you called uh, uh, the the social olfactory. But maybe before we we begin um, uh, truly this conversation, uh, can, I, can I ask you to maybe briefly introduce um, what the state is, uh, Ahmed, maybe?
1: Um, well, the state started uh, back in 2012 and we're publishing practice based out of Dubai. Um, we're mainly interested in uh, digital technologies and their rupture in social environments, um, non-Western futurisms, um, and we're also intu- interested in language and vernaculars. Uh, so we actually have an online platform where we kind of publish more regularly um, and then we do kind of themed print objects. Um, so, and so now we've, ha- we've published about five, five different books, book objects, we'll say. And new one is coming out in uh, March which is looking at accents and vernacular oh.
0: and maybe I should say that uh, the state is, um, is one of the very rare uh, platforms that uh, very successfully managed to um, articulate ideas around both the, what I would call the, the world of architecture uh, or spatial politics and uh, and the world of the humanities so really the, the this dimension of both politics of bodies and politics of space together and uh, I, I guess that relates a little bit to your respective backgrounds in, uh, in human geography and urbanism for you Ahmed and anthropology for you Hayat, right? mm-hmm. um, So uh, maybe to mention the, the second volume of, um, of, uh, of the state that, was, uh, uh, that maybe brings, uh, brings this dimension of politic, spatial politics uh, we won't talk so much about it um, in this conversation, but I guess it's 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 funny enough to mention that uh, four four uh, contributors to uh, to this issue were also part of Archipelago. So there was a uh, 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 Daniel Fernandez uh, Demi Demilet, uh, Greg Barton, and Mona Lisa Garavi. Uh, uh, that was last week in Palestine. But so the 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 issue. The issue of the state that I was particularly interested to address in this conversation is, uh, is this uh, third volume, the, the social olfactory, as I was talking about earlier. And, um, and uh, maybe I would like to start with your, your personal notes that opens the social olfactory, and then I'm, I'm gonna actually quote from you because I, <laughs> I think it was pretty great. Uh, so I'm quoting now. We're tired of Madeline's and of Western civilization reductive straitjacket of smell and memory. So that, that's quite a manifesto. Uh, uh, I, I guess I'd like to hear you a little bit uh, about that more and maybe the idea that maybe the Western civilization's uh, uh, straitjacket of smell might, might maybe to start calling, calling it one of the five senses, right? It's like to, to put a name of things, to categorize things, to say there's five ways of five bodily ways of of interpreting the world that may be actually pretty reductive so um, could you maybe describe a little bit more for us um, what you meant in this this, uh, very uh, sharp sentence, um, Raelle?
2: So actually this sentence was in part a quote from one of the pieces from uh, Paco Salas which was kind of talking about specifically like smell, um, smell and memory, but in Jalapa, is that the place in Mexico? And I think very much this direct tiredness. Because when you talk about smell, you're kind of like, well, do I talk about the Madeline? Do I talk about there's not very much else? Um, this issue more broadly, um, it came out of I think as the state as a practice, we've always been very much interested in the senses um, that are less addressed. I would say. And um, one thing I guess we didn't mention before is we're very much interested in what we call the print net, which or the transition from analog media to digital media, and also the sense of what gets lost, or per- perhaps even gained in that transition. So um, smell is, when you're talking about technology or even putting print online, smell and the haptic, you get the haptic, the touch, is something that bo- those are both aspects, and I guess I'm going down to this, like, five cents thing, which you don't like, but um, those are two things that you kind of very much lose when you're trying to put print online or yeah, or render like a, a publication that way. So um, with this issue, we're really trying to look at the social politics of smell. And it came out of, in part, before we started the state, we had a very short-lived urban research journal, which we called um, Barzakh, kind of looking at this suspension of space and interstitial zone, specifically with Dubai. And one of the things that we wanted to do, which we never actually carried out, was a thing of um, there's a thing that's I think it's, spe- I don't know if it's specific to the Gulf, you might have it here as well, but when often when Khalijis walk by, you'll have this kind of ood trail, like a scent trail, almost in a way that you can kind of trace where someone has gone, and you can trace it, like not just immediately you know, it's not about, like, being within a meter of someone, within, like, a foot of someone, but being within, maybe they've walked past five minutes ago and you can still smell it. So it comes out of that. And I think...
1: And well, I think to add on to the whole Western civilization part that you were kind of looking at is... I mean, we... W- there's a lot of studies that go into the visual or audio. You feel that we're very visually trained, very uh, um, s- sonically trained as well, right? And even touch-wise, say, with computers, you know, we use but smell still feels like the last sensory frontier yet to be heavily commercialized or digitized and the idea is how do you how can you recreate a nose and one of the articles that were that was in the volume was kind of looking at attempts scientific attempts at trying to recreate an electric nose and how that's almost impossible because there is very little that is unknown i mean it's very unknown what our noses can do and the experiments within that are quite Limited, so we were. So this was kind of almost an attempt at trying to. Dis, what? How can we? How can we use smell to understand the world around us, other than photographs or or you know, soundscapes or any of that? So that's maybe where the architectural part of it kind of comes to look at olfactory landscapes and which ones have we been trained? Which one have we? Been, how, our noses, what have they been acclimatized to learn or kind of? Because I mean, even if you look at the industry of smell. Um, it's it's completely monopolized by five companies that create every scent from your detergent up to your big fashion um, house kind of special f- fragrance houses, right? So, and they so we were trying to s- see how how can we hack into that? Like, how can you use smell and kind of try to interrogate what's around us?
2: I'd add um, one example that we found when editing this volume which kind of illustrates this almost reductiveness or the kind of place to smell in the world is there's not that many words in English for to say smell. You can say smell to scent and then you're like maybe a couple more but you're kinda of stuck. And we really noticed this when editing, we're like, okay, everyone this volume is used like, you know, we do a word check. Like how many times is smell used? And there's not even verbs for that kind of act. It's not that many of them. And that's something that was kind of a surprise but became very clear to us I think.
1: Yeah, and I think even in ter- like trying to also discuss smell as um, trying to discuss disgusting smells, right? Or like what what our noses have been trained to kind of um, exclude from. I mean, you know, so disgusting smells are not really dis- discussed, right? So the politics of excretion, politics of sweat, politics of bodies that come into Got them. Asthma, that miasma. Miasma <laughs> comes up a lot, right? Like sewers, that sort of thing, and what kind of smells those produce in our urban environments as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I suppose one one particular aspect of uh, of smell in relation to bodies is that it, it really it really materializes how uh, how we don't really we're not quite sure of what the limits of the body are right because it it really concerns a sort of atmosphere that are peripheral to the body or that are actually still very much part of the bodies and somehow we we have this sort of invisible. Um, in In social relation like we always we always somehow smell smell the other without really knowing it uh, or sometimes by actually knowing it but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and um so so in the when when we tend to to stop a little bit too too much on the on the visual aspect we might we might lose this sort of blurry blurry halo almost around the body that are that once again is still very much part of someone's identity isn't it <laughs> I said I will call call out. Yeah, I agree. Of you made,
2: I was just thinking when you're saying that is, um, in terms of like I don't know, marking otherness or marking difference. I feel like that's kind of almost the most immediate in a way, like reductive way to kind of, yeah, I guess to other someone. You know, they smell weird, they smell bad, and like that's and some of that is related to, um, to the visibility of the body, like you know. And it's related to class, obviously. And like, when you s- often it's related to like, you can smell someone's sweat. You can smell that someone's human because we expect, I think, in certain urban environments that you that is completely masked. And like, one thing that we found very interesting in our research for this is that there is this weird thing of um, using like, using like artificial natural smells to mask what is actually very natural. Like, you mask the smell of the human body, everything it exudes with, you know. A fake pine tree, or like ocean breeze, or like something like that. So yeah. Mm. Well,
0: well, I guess you you give me a perfect transition for this uh, this video that I wanted I wanted to show. I mean, that is very much less a video than a, a, a sound to listen to, but uh, maybe to give a little bit of context, um, uh, what I, what I'm about to show is about a minute thirty of a, of a fictitious interview I conducted for a film that ended up never really existing based on my very poor very poor skills in the filmmaking <laughs> retrospectively retrospectively uh, 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 it's it's on it's only retrospectively that I realized that maybe that, that was not my that was not my best uh, my best skills to do to make movies but uh, i was I was trying to make a sort of um, uh, with a few friends, we were trying to make a, 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 a sort of pseudo-documentary of uh, what I like to call the New York Commune, so in, in relationship to the 1871 Paris Commune, with, when Paris declared its independence uh, uh, from the rest of France and created a sort of proletarian, uh, proletarian republic for, for... I mean, republic might not be the right word, actually, but uh, a, a, republi- uh, a proletarian commune for, for about three months. And so to have a sort of... Um, the sort of film that would that would um, have the, um, this this narrative on um, on contemporary New York, um, where I would interview a few people and they would tell me their story within within this fiction. Within this fiction, so um, so this video is is from um, is is a, a friend of mine, uh, Nicolas Patsopoulos, explaining uh, his vision of the story, and he he, he thought that. Um, he would, he would really insist on this, um, on this aspect of the smell. So here it is.
3: The smell man, the smell. Before everybody was smelling like aromas and soap and everything, and now everybody's smelling something strange. Something that we were taught to believe that it was filthy and ugly, but it's a basic human thing, you know, the human smell. Everything that we have done, is smell dependent, the rotten food that smells the subways that have been left unused and all the water that's puddling and all the smells that go out of that, it's a basic human instinct that we have completely forgotten we use our smell, we use our senses the smelling sense in this sense to avoid places, to go to places I think next time I'm gonna be able to smell soaps, aromas and air fresheners i'm obviously gonna throw up so that's that's my version of the story the smell from anxiety passion not sure what comes after to the tear gas to the bombs to the fires to the trash to the carcasses to the still water to the open sewers the shit to the smell of the people because that is the most important thing the smell of the people you can understand who is a part of this commune and who isn't by the way that they smell and they don't smell bad or, or not either they smell, they smell artificially or they smell like humans okay. um, so I,
0: I think through, through this uh, short excerpt of, uh, of this, inter- of this uh, fictitious interview I um, we we we, tr- we start to have an idea of, of this sort of uh, polarization of smell and on the one hand uh, what, what what Nicolas calls the uh, the smell of the tear gas and and the, this very uh, artificial smell of uh, that you were mentioning Raheel uh, just before of uh, air freshener and and all all this kind of thing uh, versus maybe the smell of um, of the human bodies that. that in, in this, in this uh, fictitious scenario of a, of a, of a commune, uh, you would be able to tell who, who is really part of it and who might not be just based on the smell of it, which, which, um, which brings us to the, to the notion of traceability with that I already mentioned, uh, the, the idea of a trace. And I, I think um, uh, within this issue of the state, it brings us to one particular text that uh, Adam <laughs> Flynn uh, wrote. And, um, and that maybe
1: uh, uh, maybe we could introduce, uh, Ahmed? Um, well, Adam, I mean, but basically the whole volume, as, as I mentioned, was kind of trying to, like, different takes on smell and how can we use smell as an investigative tool. So Adam Flynn wrote a piece called The Ol- um, Olfactory Under the Irons, Now Olfactory Imperialism. And so he had looked at how um, smell had been used as a military and... A military surveillance device and kind of looked through how the, um, the Nazis. Nazis kind of used uh, how, sniffing dogs as an example of that how they smell jars was kind of created under Nazism I forget exactly for what purpose it was but uh, they
2: basically had a, they had some kind of material which um, the idea was to be able to sniff quite literally sniff people out but they had a thing they, would just, yeah, they stored people's scents in jars yeah. for the purpose of tracing them later
1: and so, I mean, he was just kind of looking at it I, I, through a range of kind of different, he kind of did a little survey, right, of like how militaries have used smell as a way to kind of, for either assault or um, uh, yeah, militarization. The militarization of smell is really what kind of he was looking at.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, w- one thing he mentions is, uh, is uh, so DARPA, so, so this, uh, this um, Part of the U.S. Army that are, that are always uh, trying to invent uh, new technologies that 20 years later you'll find in every houses. Uh, um, how DARPA is uh, was trying at some point to proje- to to have a project of mapping the smells of uh, of a given cities and and how it would be able to to maybe trace uh, to trace what he calls the the smell of fear, which which would kind of indicate a sort of uh, Sort of potential uh, insurrectional uh, uh, core of people, uh, and um, and uh, I, I don't know if you want to address a little bit more this this aspect of things, or uh, of once again being real again in the in the sort of technological surveillance based on based on uh, smell.
2: I think again, like it's it's something. It's one of these less. I mean, which is DARPA re- responsible the internet, right? Like. I think, among other things, and I think it's just because it's something like. So right now you're seeing, in response to surveillance, you're seeing a lot of security culture, encryption, like you know, with, in part maybe on the part of governments with things like WikiLeaks, and part of like personal, personal practice, whatever with big data. Um, you're getting in terms of visual surveillance. You're getting um, there's an interesting project from an artist called Adam Harvey called CV dazzling. CV there stands for computer vision, and it's it looks a little bit silly actually, but it's I think, but it's um, Basically, you, a series of markings that are painted on the face which confuse computer vision or their ability to, recognize, A, recognize you as a person, and B, recognize you as a specific person against their data banks. And you have... I think there are a lot of forms of resistance or moves to not be identified in these other sensory ways. You can't really do very much about body heat, at least yet that I know, but um, smell, I think, is one thing. That is especially like difficult in that way.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, well, and I think I think that's perfect because that brings me to the to the next thing that I wanted to, to talk about, which and that actually um, was was kind of in my head uh, or throughout my reading of, of the social olfactory, but that uh, Adam Flynn ended up uh, talking about as well, is the the idea that when you uh, when an animal is being hunted, uh, maybe by dogs, for example probably by dogs, actually. <laughs> uh, um, their, one of their strategy of escape would be to try to uh, cross, uh, cross a trace of another animal's smell so that the dogs get confused and don't really know which one they should follow after that. And somehow I wanted to discuss with you how we could maybe adopt a similar strategy. Um, first first regarding, regarding this sort of transcendental surveillance system, uh, and then maybe something a little bit more imminent, but that will come later. But so, so I think Adam Harvey's work is very much part of it, even though well, there's mm-hmm. some problematic aspect to it. But uh, I think in a, in a, in another in another article, uh, you were mentioning uh, uh, Mark Shepard uh, and his sentient city survival kit, that's a little bit similar in that in that matter. You want
2: to, to be honest, I don't remember that project very well. I think it was something similar. Adam Harvey, I remember, had another. And I think the reason why we both find it problematic, it was, it was a very, it was very, it was like, what was it called? The anti-drone Burqa? Something like that. It was this very, like, weird orientalized, like, hey, let's escape surveillance in the eye of the state by clothing ourselves in these very specific forms of dress and I, and I think the way, he, I don't remember what he said exactly, the way he wrote about it, everything around that was weird to be honest um, I don't remember Shepard's project to be honest that well but I, there was things like, you know, here's an umbrella that you can carry which will have some kind of reflective thing that will let's say, again, it's, it's about confusing the eye of the camera and it's very much about I think the eye in a way mm-hmm. um, Yeah I, 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 I mean I know that the
0: titles that I chose for this conversation is really based on the Ol- olfactory but I think I think I have no problem maybe drifting apart uh, uh, a little bit from from this sense and uh, having really engaging the body as a body as such and and I so, something things that I have also a problem with uh, regarding regarding surveillance and and, um, and those issues is also that it it, it always it always tends to it kind of intervenes within a form of, uh, of paranoia somehow versus a sort of uh, almighty big brother state when actually it might forget it might forget something just as much uh, just just as much violent, if not actually even more violent, which is more the immanence of the norm uh, so rather than some sort of uh, eye in the sky uh, looking at looking at everything, maybe the the more so- social societal uh, permanent, um, permanent uh, um, monitoring of, of behavior just from from one body versus I mean, from one body to another and everybody being involved in this process. So um, I don't know if I'm being very clear. I think
2: like I think a great example of this is very much on the street level. Is let's say New York. There is that tagline: "If you see something, say something." You have, you know. You see, you've seen it very explicitly this summer, but it's nothing, last summer, it's nothing new, the kind of rise, not the rise, it's always, always been there, police brutality in New York, stop and frisk, like that is very much on the street level, on a body-to-body level, like it's not about the eye of, eye of a camera or that kind of identification, but just, I think, on a much more interpersonal level. Hmm. So that's probably more real, let go off, example of that. Um,
0: and some, something you mentioned uh, within your article, Hael, is also the... the and that really relates to this immanence of the norm, I think, is, uh, is uh, going back always to this very paradigmatic legislation uh, in France of the, of the law of October, October 11th, 2010, that prevents anyone to, anyone to, um, uh, to hide their, their face in public, which uh, was uh, obviously within the text of the law. It's not said like that, but within the debate around the law was very much... Uh, very, much explicit about about uh, the targeting at, uh, at a Muslim woman wearing the niqab, and um, and so so there's something something interesting in how there's um, this normative uh, necessity to always avoid dissimulation, and and um, and that's why that's that's where I was going at with uh, maybe it's not just about the video surveillance camera, it's 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 also about um, Something very much active within society itself. Um, I don't know, Ahmed. Maybe do you want to to talk about that a bit.
1: Um, well, I, I think I'm gonna try rein it back into okay. the olfactory because sure. I just remembered. Also, in terms of the surveillance, Adam was kind of talking about smell. Valence is the as an, in talking about dissimilated bodies. There was. I mean, it's also interesting to think if when you're um, speaking of geographies of fear or any of that as a way. Um, how, what can you use as also as a scent protector against <coughs> dogs sniffing you you know or or how what kind of smells we might use? I think there's a lot of stuff I was just thinking about this as we 're having this conversation in terms of um, you know there's certain smells or vegetables or that exude a certain smell that people use as a, as a mode of protection, and those are kind of always heralded as um, terms of heritage or folklore or any of that. But it would be interesting to kind of also experiment with that as as an olfactory discipline to kind of see what other layers those scents might hold and what it might mean if you douse your body in garlic and what that might protect you from. or You know, how do you kind of escape or as another form of CV dazzling or any of that sort of stuff.
2: There's also, like quite recently, um, what's happening, like there's this thing called deodorant candy. There's a couple of brands doing it, but it's Kind of with the same idea that your skin, which is you know, the largest largest organ, is also kind of a really like efficient diffuser of kind of molecules, olfactory molecules, among other things. Um, so there is like people are making this candy which you can choose, which you can chew, and it kind of releases whatever scent that you, whatever flavor you buy, over the course of a couple of hours. And I think maybe that might be a strategy in this sense, um, or implants. <laughs>
0: Um, As a a final question, I I want to go back to your your editor's note in the the beginning of this issue uh, and where you you mentioned this, um, and I'm sure you'll describe it uh, much better than me, but uh, you mentioned this enzyme, I think, that that makes the paper of books uh, yellow over time and you're wondering later what would be the smell of our pixels. Uh-huh. So could could you could you maybe draw up a conclusion of our conversation based on that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I know it's supposed to be my job. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, to speculate on what pixels might smell. I mean, I, I think maybe say with digital technologies, it's been very difficult to ascribe kind of what it smells like. But actually, advertisers have been experimenting with ways of like how when you watch an ad on your computer, if your computer might be able to spray something in your face to kind of conjure a certain memory. They've already started doing that. Um, I think in South Korea, Dunkin' Donuts did this um, ad. The ad would would basically uh, each time a bus would uh, stop next to a Dunkin' Donuts in the bus, there would be these diffusers that would kind of spray the smell out, and that would be, so that might be a thing of like, how pixels might just become these, um, they might mimic kind of what we might think as natural smells or any of that, right? Like I don't, i 'm not really sure exactly what pixels um, might smell like, and I think in the terms of the the chemical lignin, which is the the graying or the yellowing uh, sorry the yellowing of of pages and that kind of old old smell of the book and I think wallpaper and Karl Lagerfeld actually made a smell which was just completely based on lignin and that I mean as with the depletion of books and publishing, you know that smell becomes so much more. Um, objectified or even romanticized, I think, and so um, yeah,
0: that's final. Uh. Final word, maybe, um, or it's may-
2: probably well, maybe saying almost the opposite. Um, actually, one thing about lignin, the reason why people um, seem to like it is that it's very close to vanilla, not something you can necessarily identify, but I think it's chemically it's very close. It has a similar kind of um, evokes a certain response in the body. What I would say with pixels, though, one of the things that we I think, do a lot with the state is with this analog to digital transition is look at the idea of a skew morph, you know, which is these aesthetic remnants of older technologies, which no longer necessarily you know have a function, but they're kind of there for ease of use. So like QWERTY on a keyboard, which came from a typewriter. The rewind symbol, which came from you know, tape reels, or when you're actually rewinding things, things like this, and especially with print, um, when you put print online, you have you know the animated flip page, you have this effort to make the screen look as much as possible like the page. And I think that's something we've done very much backwards in design, try and make the book look like the screen. But I think something that we, or at least I maybe have come to more recently, is it seems we're trying to do the exact same thing, or create a, I think to try and make pixels smell is to not take a digital environment seriously or on its own terms. And I think you know, there's no smell that's good.
1: <laughs> I think just to add, one, one of the projects that was in the volume actually was um, Scent Polaroids, right? So we had a perforated page where you had four kind of little cards of, with a certain fabric where the idea wasn't, the idea is we used a certain fabric that would suck smell, even, you know, it would kind of keep it, but the idea was is like, this is an experiment, tear them off and try to see what you could capture with smell, because you know you can record again visual and audio material very easily, but smell is actually very difficult to um, capture. And so this was almost an attempt to kind of use paper material and fabrics to kind of capture um, smell or digitize it in a way.
0: Is the issue still findable uh, for people? Yeah, who yeah, interested? I, you,
1: yeah. You can buy it on I'm our website. It.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's definitely something I recommend to everyone, as well as uh, following following uh, the state as a, also an internet platform uh, on, a, on a daily basis. Uh, Rahel Ahmed, thank you so much uh, for talking with me today, especially in such, uh, such intimidating <laughs> uh, circumstances. And, uh, and um, as, u- as usual, I think we uh, will add all the necessary information to the page to, for all of that to make sense with uh, reference articles and books and maybe smells as well. <laughs> thank you.
3: Thank you, Leopold. Thank you.